Well, the province of Ontario and uh, the union representing some 55,000 education workers uh, are heading, the showdown is continuous. They didn't solve anything today. Um, they use the notwithstanding clause essentially to take away their right to strike and impose a contract on them. Um, and in response, the QP and the workers said, you know what, we're going out on strike anyway. Uh, so that's what's, that's what happened today. They're, apparently they're too far apart. They were in mediation. Uh, for part of the day, it's understood that uh, they've been offered 2.5% and 2% annual increases, depending on how much money uh, the individual makes. The union was reportedly, reportedly looking for something closer to six uh, after several years of wage freezes. And now, of course, the cost of living increases, meaning they're basically working for less money if you don't pay them uh, cost of living increases. Uh, and the union says that even though the legislation passed today makes it illegal and technically technically illegal for them to go on strike, it means big fines. For individuals and the union, they will strike starting tomorrow until further notice. This is Laura Walton of QP. This government was looking to find a bargain basement deal that didn't respect students, that didn't respect workers, that didn't respect families. The province, of course, has a very different view of all this, but um, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association is even warning that this sets a bad precedent, not just for Ontario, but right across the country. Here's Noah Mendelson of Eve. Bill 28 is a catastrophe for rights and freedoms. This catastrophe could leak outside of Ontario and across Canada. Now, the province all along, uh, the Premier, Doug Ford, has said that they had no choice. This was about defending kids' rights to be in class. Here is the Premier. They have left us with no other choice but to proceed with legislation for the sake of Ontario's 2 million students and their parents. Schools must remain open. Mr. Speaker, we're using every tool at our disposal to make sure kids are in class full-time. Uh, the Premier of Ontario there. Now, just in case you thought they wrote these words themselves, here saying something very similar is the Education Minister, Stephen Lecce. For the sake of Ontario's 2 million students to keep classrooms open, CUP has left us with no choice but to pass the Keeping Kids in Class Act. Yeah, sounds familiar. Singing from the same songbook, so to speak. Well, what now? Huge school districts in and around Toronto, including the Toronto District uh, School Board, Peel and York Boards have already said school is out. Uh, many others are closed. Some are trying to move to remote learning. It seems unclear right now what exactly is happening on Friday. Uh, but with more on that, joining me now is Bronwyn Alsop. She's an early childhood educator in Toronto and a mother of two. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. So we've arrived here. I guess this is really under any circumstances, regardless of what side you you know you think is right or wrong, and all this. This is where you didn't want to be as a mom, I suspect. No, it's definitely uh, this whole experience uh, today triggered a lot of PTSD for myself. Um, I'd say the trauma from the last two and a half years of just watching uh, our kids, my kids, and overall the kids across Ontario and Canada just suffer constantly through the school closures, the inconsistency, constant disruption to their routine, putting them back academically, rocking their mental health, uh, and finally thinking as a parent that we're walking into a normal school year for them to have a glimpse of normalcy and, you know, their future. Uh, today, when my daughter came to me and she said, Mommy, carry my backpack for me, I have my Chromebook, I broke down. Uh, she didn't see me cry. Uh, I had sunglasses on, but it hit me so hard because I feel like we're right back where we were before. 
and, and it's yeah. it's traumatizing because this isn't just a strike. People think this can happen all the time. Yes, but there is the trauma and the PTSD that is gone that we have watched our kids suffer through. Uh, myself have watched it. I'm an ECE who works in a private daycare. I've worked throughout the entire right. pandemic, uh, watching my students have normalcy. And and when I would come home, my kids would be staring at a screen. My son is five years old. He was doing preschool, deaf and hard of hearing child in front of a screen. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, we're, we're back where we are, not for a COVID reason, but they're, the kids are suffering again. And, and I, I personally, I am an EC and I want everyone to make more. I don't, I've never belonged to a union in my life. I don't have any benefits. I've never had paid sick days. I have never right. had anything in that in my, in my career. Um, and I understand the benefits of definitely having that security and to have financial increase all the time in your, in your career and the security. But who is out there protecting our kids right now? No one. Who protected yeah. them through COVID? No one. And I'm sick of it. Yeah. I want our yeah, kids I mean, to be that, that... topped. What are you going to do come tomorrow? I mean, I guess as an ECE, do you have any any way of making sure that they're taken care of, that they can do their uh, – is there online learning or are they just well, out of school tomorrow? There's, there's no school tomorrow. We we told we were told that the Chromebook – we got the email, uh, you know, they're going to try and do asynchronous learning, which we, we will not be doing. And, you know, maybe my daughter wants to to some extent, but – it, it, it's just going to be a nightmare. My daughter has ADHD trying to have her, you know, when she's doing the screen work and stuff, it, it just does not right. work for her. Um, and my son is five. Like it, it, we live in a duplex. We're in a small space. My husband has to work from home doing this or, and I'm, I'm also, uh, I got COVID in the summer, got, you know, vaccinated to the, you know, the fine nards, but I still got COVID yeah. and I've been on sick leave because I've had to have medical appointments because I have epilepsy. So I have, I've, I'm actually off and I'm, so I'm fortunate. You know what? I'm lucky that I've been on sick leave because I, it's not going to impact me, but I know if I was working in my job as an ECE, I have colleagues that are now able to go to work tomorrow because they're ECEs and they cannot go do their job in a private daycare because they have their kids to take care of. So yeah, you can feel it right through the system, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the Um, system, but it's the kids. What are they going to do? No one is to, to have a strike, I think was the worst possible uh, proposal. I I was, you think think they should have stayed in. You think they should have stayed in and just figured this out. I think they both jumped the gun. I think they're both at fault. I, I, I appreciate, you know, the what I, I sense from a political angle, Lecce is trying to do things because he knows the voters from his side, but the parents or the families will are you know lose it because you know if anything on their end, if he goes with this and and schools aren't open, people will lose it, which they are. Yeah. So I understand the urgency. I don't think it's right from. Uh, from a standpoint, you know, uh, to override this, I, I don't think it's helped anything yeah. in the situation. If anything, it's put a bomb on it. So I think that also the QP put a bomb by saying we're going to go to strike. People did not think that. People thought they do a work to rule or something. But that going strike first is like saying we're going to go to murder. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know. No, it's done. funny. We first talked about this earlier in the week because obviously if you're outside of Ontario, you're sort of paying attention to it, but you're not paying a lot of attention to it. And I was talking to a uh, to an expert in labor law, and I'm like, wow, this felt like it got very, very 
very serious, very fast, that both sides were oh. like, you know what, we're going to the wall here. And then I thought, well, exactly. if they do go to the wall, then you know who's left holding the bag or the school bag, so to speak? It's your kids, right? It's you. It's the kids. They are the ones that are suffering. And, and it's like my, my daughter, you know, she's not, she, I, she, I don't, you know, tell her specifically what's going on, but I'm going to see it in other ways that like coming out in her because she's not in with her peers. And that's the whole thing. Like QP is very important with all the services they provide. They are yeah. very essential. But the part that is missing constantly in all of this is that, from an ECE perspective, and especially in all ages, is that students learn the most in person, in the physical building, in with their peers, in with people they're role modeling on, and they're learning to get that confidence and skills and development from. It's not just the person who's educating them or extra support or everything else that's all the added layers. It's being there with people their own age. And that is the part that they have been robbed from for two and a half years of having this normalcy of being with people their own age to learn these development skills. That's how a child learns how to speak and talk is to yeah. be around kids their own age to have that. That's what my kids who are both are deaf and hard of hearing. That's what they need the most out of all of this. It's not just having the educators and the extra things, which are essential, but it's not, it's the key missing point is now that they're out of it and completely and it's wrong that the kids need to be back in there and i think it's just so many things were missed in this and and it's just now yeah. we're in war and everyone is using this as a political thing we've got people marching out and roaring out you know in the cabinet to make it's a, what a happens right to make it it's worse. what happens yeah yeah, it, yeah no but, exactly but the kids the kids are suffering and no one cares. And it's because they don't have anyone to protect them. And I know so many people who feel this way, but they are, they're mentally drained. They're exhausted and, and no one has any hope anymore. You don't, we don't know who to believe. I'm politically lost myself. Like I'm, no one knows what to do anymore because we feel like we don't have any trust in anyone. If that makes Broadway, sense. It's, it's, uh, it's it does, it does. And, it, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's a horrible place to be. Listen, I hope this ends quickly. It might, you never know. I mean, I've seen these disputes. <laughs> this one doesn't feel like it will, but you've seen, you can see them end quickly. Uh, but I hope that for the best for both your daughter and son, it sounds like they, uh, they could use some, some routine and some normalcy. Thanks so much for talking to me tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.